life, liberty, and the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those words were penned in the Declaration of Independence in 1776 by Thomas Jefferson. Now, the interesting thing about those words uh, is that the uh, author of the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson, said that these are three of our unalienable rights. Say that five times fast. Are three of our unalienable rights granted to us by our Creator. That God has given us this right, these rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we take these very seriously. We all want to be happy, right? Everybody wants to be happy. I, I just want to be happy. And yet I talk to people and I know so many people who are not happy. And, and they're frustrated by that because they feel like I have a right to happiness. I, I should be happy, but, but we're not. People are not happy in their marriages, in their relationships. People are not happy uh, in their lives. They're not happy in their jobs. How many of you are happy in your job? Some of you, oh, quite a few of you. I'm happy in my job. I love my job. And it's because of you guys and because of Jesus. I love my job. But I know a lot of people who are not happy at work. They're not happy in school. Teenagers, how many of my teenagers are happy in school? I see like a hand. <laughs> There's a hand. There's like a half a dozen teenagers in here. And one was like, yeah, I kind of like it. People are not happy. They're not happy even in church. How many of you, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. How many of you are happy here in church today? I hope you are. We're happy to see you. But I mean, when you think about it, it, we know so many people who are not happy at home. They're not happy in work. They're not happy in church. They're not happy in school. They're not happy on the road. Oh, my goodness. And we're just not happy anywhere, it seems. And there's, there's just nobody's happy. Uh, I myself have moments when I'm not happy. And, and, and we feel like we're being gypped. We, we feel like we're being... Uh, messed over in some way because we're not happy. And, and we have this right to happiness, to pursue happiness. And then we're not happy. And we wonder, God, why, why can't I be happy? And we'll, we'll blame God for our unhappiness. Well, God, if you would just do this, then I would be happy. God, if you would just take care of me, I'd be happy. God, if you did these things, then I would be happy. And so somehow we blame God for our unhappiness and we wonder why why can't I be more happy? I look at my own life, and I think about times of my unhappiness, you know, and the, the unhappiness that I face. You know, i got a wife who's disabled because she's had five failed back surgeries. That does not make me happy. My home was eaten by termites seven, eight years ago. I'm not happy about it. Still not happy about it. You know, the challenges in my own life, struggling to make ends meet from time to time, it makes me unhappy. And, and I think, doesn't God want me to be happy? I mean, doesn't God want me to be happy? I'm his little cheerleader here on earth. I told you this before. I'm his little cheerleader. Rah, rah, go God. And, and, and yet it seems like he doesn't care about my happiness. Hmm. Uh, this sermon is titled, Doesn't God Want Me to Be Happy? And I have, a, I have bad news. God is less concerned about your happiness than he is about your holiness. God is less concerned about your happiness than he is about your holiness. We'll talk about that this morning for a little while as we turn to the book of James. We are back in the book of James today. We talked about the election a little bit last week. Then the week before we did the challenge, and I'm 
going to fill you in a little bit on that in just a second. But uh, we're back in the book of James. This is a series that we're calling uh, Where the Rubber Meets the Road. And it's all about the intersection of life and faith. And we've talked about different areas of our lives and our faith and how they go together. Uh, we've talked about how uh, we need to control our tongues. We need to watch what we say. We need to be slow to speak, slow to, uh, slow to anger. Uh, we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Remember that one? How, many, how are you doing on that? Anybody being slow to anger these days? Uh, hustle and bustle. Holiday season. It's the most wonderful time of the year, according to Andy Williams. Remember that, okay? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry when you're out shopping. Um, we talked about taming our tongues. Uh, we've talked about uh, favoritism and how God doesn't play favorites and neither should we. We've talked about not a neglecting the poor and not abusing the poor, but not oppressing the poor, but rather taking care of the poor. And one of the things that I challenged you to do two weeks ago was to give toward two projects. One was digging a well in Ethiopia for through lifewater.org. Uh, and then the other one was to give toward our benevolence fund. And here you go. All right, this is what happened on that day. Uh, we collected nearly $4,000. I mean, and this was sprung on you guys. And, like, no idea it was coming. You put $4,000 in that day. You pledged another $5,000. So that's $9,000 in offerings and pledges uh, toward the LifeWater well. We have since collected even more money, and we are going to dig two wells in Ethiopia. It's going to happen. And yes, it is totally, totally awesome. So we are going to raise $12,000 in less than two months to give clean water and sanitation to people living in Ethiopia who don't have it. It's because you guys. It's because God working through you guys to do something amazing. Not only that, not only did we collect and raise $9,000 in one day, or uh, collect and pledge $9,000 in one day, we also pledged another $2,200 to benevolence. And so in one day, uh, with no advanced warning and notice, except for maybe a handful of people, that was $11,000 in one day. It's tremendous. It's amazing. And I, I think it's when we have a cause to get behind, when we get excited about something, let's do it, right? Let's get out there and let's do it and let's make a difference for Jesus. And that's what we're all about is helping people follow Jesus here at GFCC. We want to help people get to know him and fall in love with him and have a relationship with him and go to heaven with him. And that's what we're all about. So I thank you so much for giving toward those, toward, toward those causes. Uh, and uh, you have until December 25th. Uh, to uh, turn in your money, uh, to give your pledges, to, to live up to your pledges, or, or give toward the, those offerings. The hope chest is on the coffee station. Just drop it in there. Make sure you mark on your check or you mark on your envelope that it's going to Life Water or Benevolence. Otherwise, it's just going to go to Life Water. Uh, and uh, if you put your name on it, we'll keep track of it for your tax purposes, yada, yada, yada. So uh, thank you again for doing that. And speaking of Christmas, I want to tell you a little bit about where we're going. Next week, we're going to finish up the book of James. So we're going to have one more sermon in the book of James. And then after that, we're going to get into Christmas. Ah, it's the most wonderful time of the year. How many of you love Christmas? Sean loves Christmas. Okay, I've told you before, I have this little mental illness thing going on, right? And, uh, like, most, sometimes I'm really, really depressed, but a lot of times I'm really, really manic. And, like, really, let me tell you what, the time of year that I get most manic is Christmas time. And so my sermons get shorter because I talk faster. Um, and so I'm just telling you right now, uh, unless I write longer sermons, they're going to be a little bit quicker in the month of December because I get geeked up for Christmas. I love Christmas. I love talking about Christmas. I love thinking about Christmas. I love giving Christmas gifts. I I love receiving Christmas gifts. Um, 
hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, I love Christmas. Love everything about it, from the uh, hustle and the bustle to uh, Frosty's uh, top hat to Rudolph's red nose to the baby Jesus laying in the manger. Love it all. And uh, this year for Christmas, my series is going to be called The First Christmas Pageant Ever. Only it's not a fake story. It is a true story. And Christmas is a real thing. And it is a true story. And we're going to talk about the main characters in the story of Christmas this year. We're going to talk about Mary, we're going to talk about Joseph, we're going to talk about the angels and the shepherds, and then the Christmas weekend, we're going to talk about the star of it all. We're going to talk about the star of the show, Jesus, and we're going to talk about him Christmas weekend. Speaking of Christmas weekend, we got some different things we're going to do this year. We're going to have multiple services across multiple days, because Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. So we're going to have one service on that Sunday at 11 o'clock, so you don't have to get up super, super early uh, and get the kids all dressed when they're sitting there screaming at you because they don't want to go to church because they'd rather play with their toys. I know it happens it happens so uh, but we are going to have different services at different times on different days that whole weekend so we'll give you more information on that in a couple of weeks and let you know how that's all going to look so that if you can't get up on Christmas Sunday morning to get to church you will have opportunities to do it before then as well and if you can't get here on Christmas Eve you'll have other opportunities to come and worship that weekend so we're going to have at least I, I think we're going to have four services over about three day period and like I said we'll give you more information about that because we want everybody to come to church for Christmas weekend and not only do we want everybody to come to church for Christmas weekend we want you to bring your friends and your family members and your neighbors to come to church for Christmas weekend it is going to be awesome it is going to be great we're going to have great music we're going to have great fellowship we're going to have just a terrific time of praising the Lord together here for Christmas weekend so please start thinking about start praying about who you can invite to come to Christmas weekend worship here at GFCC. We want you to invite your friends and neighbors and relatives to come worship with us because we're going to talk about Jesus and the difference that he makes in our lives, and he really does make an incredible difference. So please uh, start thinking about, start praying about who you're going to invite for Christmas that weekend, uh, and uh, we're going to have a good time, okay? Let's get back into the book of James. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11 is where we are this morning. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It looks like this. It's on page 856 of the Bible in the chair in front of you uh, or behind you, whichever the case may be. Uh, also, um, if you want to use your favorite app on your smartphone or tablet, feel free to do that. We are in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. We're going to take this. In two little chunks, we're going to look at verses 7 through 9 first, and then we're going to look at verses 10 and 11. So let's look at verses 7 through 9. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now, James uses here in verses 7 through 11, he uses two different words, one for patience, one for perseverance. Now, the word for perseverance is the word that he uses earlier in his letter, in the very first chapter, James chapter 1, verse 2, when he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. So that's perseverance. But here he's talking about patience, which is a little bit different than perseverance. Patience in the King James is translated long-suffering. And let's face it, we don't like to suffer. Americans hate to suffer. We hate to be patient. We hate to wait. We hate to pa be patient and persevere through suffering. But today we're talking about patiently persevering. 
even through suffering. I think one of the tragedies of our lives and our families is that we do not teach our children to suffer. We do not teach our children to suffer well. Okay, we, participation trophies. I mean, not everybody uh, gets to be an astronaut. Not everybody gets the win to win, you know, and we don't teach our kids to suffer well. And so they grow up thinking that they have to be happy all the time. And then something happens and they're not happy. Something happens and, and things don't go their way and they don't know how to deal with it. And let's face it, as, as grown-ups, we don't know how to deal with it either. When disappointments come our way, when we're sad, when we're unhappy, we don't know how to deal with that. And so we just sit and pout. And we get idle. And we don't do anything. Because we're unhappy. Well, God never promised us happiness. The question, doesn't God want me to be happy? The answer may be no. Because God is less concerned about your happiness than he is about your holiness. And by holiness, I mean looking more like Jesus. And Jesus knew suffering. Jesus was persecuted by his own people. He was rejected by his own people. He knew suffering. He knew persecution. He knew rejection. He knew heartbreak. He knew denial. He knew betrayal. He knew physical pain. And Jesus patiently persevered through the pain and came out on the other side in glory. Now, one of the things that we need to remember is that the judge, he says, is standing at the door, so do not grumble against one another, because sometimes when we suffer, we get angry, we get frustrated, and we start picking at one another, and we start grumbling with one another. We need to get along. We need to learn how to suffer well, how to patiently persevere through suffering. Uh, one of the things that we need to remember is that the judge is standing at the door, that Jesus is on his way back, that Jesus is coming back, and that this life is not all that there is. So that when you suffer in this life, remember this life is not all that there is. I love what Max Lucado, I think it was Max Lucado once said, that God has promised to work everything out in the end, uh, everything out for good in the end. So if it's not good, then it's not the end. Let me say that one more time. God has promised to work everything out for good in the end. So if it is not good, then it's not the end. There's still good to come. And that good may not happen in this life. Sorry. Newsflash. The good may not happen in this life, but I promise you this, the good will happen in the next. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that there will be no more pain, no more heartache, no more suffering, no more tears, no more crying, no more death. There will be no more, you imagine, never hurting again in any way. And some of you I know hurt. You hurt physically. You're like me. You sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies when you wake up in the morning. Snap, crackle, pop. You hurt spiritually. You feel abandoned by God. He has not abandoned you. He's not forsaking you. He'll never leave you. You, feel, you hurt emotionally because you're in a relationship that's really bad or you have a broken relationship that's really bad. Uh, you hurt uh, mentally and emotionally. You hurt in so many ways. In this life, we do hurt and we do suffer. But in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says this. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants everyone to be saved. And Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, we may think that it's, why is he taking so long? Remember, with the, with the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. With a day is like a thousand years. It's been two days since Jesus has been gone. That's it. But he is coming again. And when he returns, he will make everything right. He will set everything straight. 
He will deal with the pain in our lives and he will replace it with healing. And he will give healing to his people. And as, he, as Peter wrote, he is not slow as some understand slowness. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Jesus wants everyone to be saved. Believe that. Jesus wants everyone to be saved. And that is our purpose as a church, is helping people follow Jesus so that people will be saved. They'll put their faith and trust in Christ and believe in him and repent from their sins and confess their faith and get baptized. And they will go to heaven by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we want. That is our greatest desire, and that is God's greatest desire, is to spend forever with his people. And so I just want to encourage you today, don't give up on that person. Don't give up in prayer. Don't give up. Persevere patiently through the pain. Persevere patiently through the suffering that you may be going through. If you're being persecuted at work, don't give up on your faith. Don't give up on Jesus. He's not going to give up on you. Patiently persevere. As in Philippians 3.20, it says that we eagerly await a Savior from heaven, and He is coming back. He is coming back. And He will take us home to be with Him. Amen? Amen. Let's look at uh, the next couple verses there in, in, in James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. Yet you, you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Jesus knew, like I said, Jesus knew suffering and he knew persecution and he knew pain. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, Matthew wrote this, Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's what James said. Remember the prophets, the prophets of God who spoke on God's behalf. They were persecuted by their own people. Jesus was persecuted by his own people, put to death by his own people on a cross to save us. But he was rejected. He was despised. He was persecuted. He was crucified by his own people. Yet he patiently persevered through the pain and the suffering. Can we do that? Absolutely. By the power of God's spirit within us, by the power of God, we can patiently persevere through the suffering and the heartache and the difficulties and the trials and the tests and the temptations that come our way. We can persevere. We just got to do it. Uh, in James chapter 1, verse 12, James wrote, Blessed is the one who perseveres under tribal, trial, because having stood th that test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When we patiently persevere through the pain and the trials and the tests, God has promised to give us a crown of life. Remember, this life is not all that there is. The suffering that you're going through will come to an end someday. It may not end in this life, but remember, there's this, this life isn't all that there is. A better day is coming. A better day is coming. That's what Job looked forward to. Take your Bible and turn over to Job chapter 1. It's on page 359 of the Bible, if you grab it out of the chair. Job chapter 1. Job was a very blessed man. Had lots of kids. Had lots of animals and crops. He was very, very blessed. And one day... The angels are presenting themselves to God. I have no idea what that means, by the way, if you want to ask me. Sean, what does it mean that the angels were presenting themselves before God? I don't know. And then uh, what does it mean that Satan came before God? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, that's all I know is I don't know. But all I know is that it happened. 
And so I want to read the story of Job, starting in verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Again, why is Satan there? I don't know, but he's there. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your hands. But on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. That's two messengers. While he was still speaking, a third messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. So first guy comes up with bad news. Second guy comes up with worse news while the first one's speaking. While the second one is finishing his speech, the third one comes up with even more bad news. And it's like, how many messengers does this guy have? Four. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly... A mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. He didn't blame God for what had happened. Instead, he praised the Lord saying everything I have comes from you anyway. So you've got Job who has many, many blessings and then they're all taken away except for his own life and a couple of friends and his wife who tell him, why don't you just curse God and die? You're completely miserable. You're completely unhappy. Life is not fair. And Job never refuses. He, he always refuses. He refuses to curse God. And so then... Uh, throughout the story, we read the story of Job for 40 chapters, and then at the very end, God restores everything to Job. Listen to Job chapter 42, verses 12 and 13 and 16 and 17. It says, The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and over a and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation, and so Job died an old man and full of years. I don't understand why Job had to go through what he did. I don't understand why you have to go through what you're going through. I know that you are struggling and suffering in pain, and, and life is hard, and life makes us unhappy, and life is difficult. My life is difficult. Your life is difficult. We struggle and we suffer in this life. But remember, this life is not all that there is. And if it's not the end 
If it's not good, it's not the end. There is good that is coming. In Job's life, his life was restored to him in this life. And yours may not be restored to you in this life. It may be in the life to come. But there is coming a day when Jesus will return and he will set everything right. And whatever pain you've experienced will be gone. So why can't I be happy? Why can't I just be happy? Why, why, do I have to, why do I have to suffer? Why do I have to go through pain? Why do I have to go through difficult difficulties? Why can't I just be happy? And I believe it boils down to this. I believe this whole thing boils down to this. God isn't as concerned with your happiness as he is with your holiness. And to be holy means to be set apart. It means to be unique. It means to be different. It's like when you go to Thanksgiving this, this week, you go and you have the special china cabinet and all the good stuff that's in the china cabinet that you never eat on until it's like Thanksgiving. And then you pull grandma's china out and you eat off of grandma's china and it's, it's just, it's special, it's unique. It's not for every day. God wants you to be special and different and unique. Anybody can be happy, but it takes someone special to persevere through pain to joy. Joy is different than happiness, my friends. See, happiness is dependent upon circumstances and situations. Joy is dependent upon salvation. I've said it before. Happiness is dependent upon circumstances and situations. And so you may be in a circumstance, you may be in a situation that makes you unhappy. But it doesn't mean that you can't have joy. And joy, like I said, is dependent upon salvation. It is dependent upon the never-changing, never-ending love and grace of God. And if you want to know what that love is like, I want to show you. In, in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, Paul wrote, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or unhappiness, as it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Nothing can take away God's love from you. You are loved 100% to the max unconditionally by your Heavenly Father. And He will never, ever, 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 ever stop loving you. That is a reason to have joy. That if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are saved by His grace. You are kept saved by His grace. That no matter what you do, no matter where you've been, no matter how you've sinned, God has saved you. And you are going to heaven. Would you just say that? Just say, say I am going to heaven. Okay, say, I am going to heaven. Now say it like you're really going to go to heaven. Say, I am going to heaven. Say it even louder. I am going to heaven. No matter what you're going through right now, your marriage may be a, a shambles. Your kids may be crazy. I know they are. I see them. Um, my own. I see my own. Your relationships may be falling apart. You may have every reason under the sun to be unhappy. You're, you may, your parents may drive you nuts. Your kids may drive you nuts. Your neighbors may drive you nuts. Your preacher may drive you nuts. Thank you for not laughing at that. No, not you, Sean. Um, you may have a thousand reasons to be unhappy, but I can give you one reason to have joy. And that is that you are going to heaven. That's so awesome. I mean, that is so awesome, is it not? 
And that is a reason to have joy. That no matter what situation you're going through, no matter what circumstance you're experiencing, no matter how things may be going bad, no matter how things may be going wrong, my challenge to you today is to choose the joy over the happiness. Because like I said, happiness is circumstantial. Happiness, it depends on the situation. You want a definition of happiness? Take a kid to Toys R Us. I'll show you how a kid can go from happy to, to miserable in 0 0.0 seconds. I want the toy. Okay, you can have the toy. No, I've changed my mind. And we get like that, don't we? Circumstances change, situations change, and we're just unhappy. But Jesus never changes, and his love never changes, and his grace never changes, and neither does your salvation. You are going to heaven, and therefore, you can have joy. My challenge for you is this. Don't trade the eternal joy of heaven for the temporary happiness of earth. Don't trade the eternal joy of heaven for the temporary happiness of earth. See, the things on this earth, they may make you happy for a little while. The things on earth may make you happy for a little bit, but the joy of heaven lasts forever. So choose that joy this week as you get together with your friends and family to give thanks, as you get together with people who may drive you crazy, just remember the joy of the Lord is your strength, the joy that comes from knowing Jesus is forever and eternal. Don't trade the eternal joy of heaven for the temporary happiness of earth.